Hi everyone, welcome to the It's Growing Season podcast. I am your host Maggie and this series will be about all things related to real growth, true health and wellness, and learning to love and care for yourself. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope this podcast inspires you to invest in yourself more and to never stop growing into the best version of you. So without further ado, let's jump right into the show. Hi everyone, thank you for tuning in to episode 2 of my podcast. And um, Today I want to share with you my conversation with my friend Franklin, where we talk about topics ranging from how to cope with uncertainty, how to foster healthy relationships, what spirituality means and doesn't mean to us, and so much more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, Franklin. Thank you so much for being on my podcast today. Thanks for having me. I think uh, I'm the first guest, so it is quite the honor. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself first? Yeah, so I'm a USC grad, University of Southern California. Uh, met Maggie in a extracurricular activity. Um, I'm, <laughs> I majored in public health uh, at USC. It's called Health Promotion and Disease Prevention. Mm -hmm. um, and currently, I am serving in the United States Navy as a submarine warfare officer candidate. So I'm in Charleston right now studying um, nuclear power, and hopefully I get through the school, but that is TBD. So because I believe that you had quite a different college experience serving in ROTC, um, I'm curious to learn how you cope with stress and how you remain disciplined. So at the end of the day, um, you know, we're all human, so we're all flawed and we can't be as perfect as we'd like ourselves to be. Um, you know, discipline's somewhat easier on my hand because one, I have a personality where, where I like being able to dictate how my life um, projects uh, but I also joined a program that necessitated that I be disciplined uh, so that I can accomplish the things that I was asked to do so you know there there is a there's like a nature nurture type of dynamic there um, but at the end of the day it boils down to like me wanting to make sure that the things that I do align with the things that I want um, you know there's a saying that uh, you know, I don't care whether I'm right or wrong. I just want to know if I'm right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So the uncertainty is one that I don't particularly enjoy. Um, some would characterize me as very risky, like I like doing risky things, but um, there is some type of calculation, like, you know, mental calculation in my mind saying like, you know, is it worth doing or not? And so, you know, I, I spent like the first like three years of college and I, I tell most people this because most people who met me um, recently met me through activities that were, um, let's just say, very social. Mm -hmm. and so people are often um, caught by surprise to find that um, I spent my first three years like figuring out school and like being locked up in my room and just really just sticking to like academics and um, ROTC. Um, you know, it's funny because everybody talks about like you know, the beauty of freshman year, but I can't even remember like walking around campus freshman year. It was mostly, you know, dorm to classroom and back, right? Um, I don't even remember what the village looked like back then. So, 
So, so there's that. Um, but I, I've learned to grow out of it because, um, you know, sometimes discipline is, is too structured and it, it, in a sense it is kind of limiting because you force yourself into this like routine or like this like binary, yes, do this or no, don't do that. Um, and that can be super restricting. So, um, I'm probably less disciplined now than I was before. And I think it's for the better, but um, you know, like with anything, you got to find that happy medium. Mm -hmm. So you also talked about uncertainty and we were talking about this yesterday a little bit about how uncertainty kind of leads to anxiousness and yeah. do you feel that way and how do you cope? Um, yeah, that's a great one because there's a, there's some quote and I think they referenced Gandhi. I don't think it's valid, but the, the words are pretty good. It was something like, if you constantly think about the future, you're going to be anxious. If you constantly think about the past, you're going to be depressed. Mm -hmm. So try to live in the moment. Um, and I have a huge, ba huge bad habit. And you know this of all people, how much I overthink, whether it's like about school, um, love life, social life, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and so anxiety definitely comes up in my life. And it's not like to a detriment. It definitely is like, it's more like a, like a almost like an alert system. That, that warns me like, hey, maybe you should be more cautious of certain things. And so, you know, I'm a very forward thinking person and I recognize that my actions today have consequences that, that come up tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. And, you know, back to the certainty thing, it's like, I don't want to do something that may cause, you know, if it, even if the shadow of the doubt is, you know, suggests that it's going to go wrong, I'm very reluctant to attempt such action. So anxiety can be really bad because uh, in retrospect, um, I have found that many actions have uh, acting, uh, the, the many times when I did not act um, has, has precluded me from like great opportunities. There, mm -hmm. There's a saying, you know, most people um, don't fail because of the act of commission or, or the act of doing they often fail because the act of not doing. Mm -hmm. And that, that is where I have uh, seen a lot of failures not doing uh, mm -hmm. because just wasn't sure. And I didn't want to take that risk of not knowing. Mm -hmm. I, that reminds me of, I saw this photo of where people would go to booths, like fortune tellers and people who would tell them of their past, but no one just, no one wants to just live in the present moment. Yeah. You always want to um, know what happened, like you're dwelling on the past or you want to know what's happening in the future when in reality, the only moment that is reality is now. And, you know, the funny thing is that, you know, one would like to think that they can control that habit of like not overthinking. But, you know, we live in a world where everybody's like not necessarily forward thinking, but just such fast pace that you're often feeling like you're left behind or you're not you're not with the crowd mm -hmm. and you know there comes a point where you actually just need to follow the crowd to keep up you know it's almost like getting caught with a river sometimes fighting against it will do you no good mm -hmm. so it is a really like difficult dynamic and I think more people I know are anxious because um, the more that times become uncertain the more um, anxiety comes about and the anxiety is just a product of not knowing um, I mean, my mom's like, like <laughs> definition of an anxious 
I mean, I love my mom, but you know, there are qualities about her that I know I've inherited, but because I can see that in her, that basically means I can see it in myself. And so there are, uh, you know, self-reflection and like, I need to fix this. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talking about your mom, that kind of reminds me of, you know, your relationship with your family, but also just in general, how we can foster healthy relationships with anyone, like our family members, our friends, you know, significant others, and how we're big emotional supporters of people, but we have our own problems to deal with. And, you know, I'm, I'm a very anxious person as well, but I feel like sometimes when people rely on you, you have to be there for them. But to what extent should you sacrifice your well-being for that? And is that, like, is that your obligation? Yeah, that's a tough question. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, I, I am, <laughs> I have a tendency about complaining about my family. And um, the, the irony is, is that most complaints I make to my friends, they're like, that's nothing, dude. Like I have to deal with my mom doing this or my dad doing that, or, you know, my siblings doing this or that. And, you know, it, you know, it, it makes my problems seem like nothing, but, you know, go into the point of, you know, being a supportive person for those around you, that becomes really, really difficult because uh, your ability to support is extremely dependent on your ability to cope with your own emotions. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, uh, for instance, me right now, uh, me being at, me being at school training, um, like I'm incredibly flustered all the time. Um, and it, you know, I think you, I think you were the one that told me this, you know, you can't pour into other people's cups unless you have something in your cup to pour or something to that effect. Like you can't pour so, from an empty cup. Exactly. Exactly. And so you would hope that the people that you are supporting can recognize when you need that support. And, uh, you know, I think most people that I do talk to on an emotional level, uh, which is very few, um, have recognized that I'm in a period of like, this guy's a little shooken up, shaken up and he needs to, uh, you know, we need to give him support because, you know, you can't, you know, the, the, the most tragic thing I've had, you know, with friends is that, uh, there are many friends who are uh, demanding of your emotional support, but when it comes time for them to, you know, reciprocate when you need it, it's, it's you know, it's not there. Mm-hmm. And so um, hopefully, hopefully the answer is there, there's no gauge as to, uh, you know, how much you should give, you know, there's no quantitative uh, way to assess that. What I can say is there is a qualitative effect and the qualitative of, you know, the qualitative aspect that we need to consider is, uh, you know, just being there, right? Because just being there is like nearly like 90% of the battle. And the, the rest, the rest is just, uh, you know, talking to them and like trying to um, give them hope. But, you know, just not letting people feel like they're alone is mm-hmm. such a huge battle because, you know, like for you, for instance, right, I'm actually feeling this now, but I can't, I can't fathom what you're going, going through, especially when you came stateside for the first time, mm-hmm. having, you know, your parents basically say like, deuces, I'm going back home, <laughs> you're here, and you can't go back home during Thanksgiving, and you know, the next time you'll see them is like four or five months, and I'm thinking to myself, like, I just got here, my mom, my parents only left a week ago, and I'm like, I'm not freaking it, well, yeah, I'm freaking out for sure, <laughs> 
I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, there, there's that. Mm-hmm. So I, I think this kind of relates to the idea of codependency and how one person, I don't know, codependency, codependency isn't really a two-way streak. It's kind of a one-way, you know, someone expects you to be there for them, but they might not necessarily reciprocate. And yeah. I think it's okay to have someone be codependent on you. And obviously we shouldn't expect people to, you know, we give, but don't expect anything in return, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's very important to have time for yourself and to, and to make sure that you're using your energy in the right ways. You can't always be pouring into other people's cups when you, know, you have your own problems to deal with and just constantly being there for other people, but, you know, not receiving anything in return. I think you have to find a healthy balance in that. You know, that's the really interesting thing is that, you know, when you say that, it makes me think, like, there are certain people that constantly need you to pour, Mm -hmm. when in actuality, the better thing that you could try to do is hope that you can uh, teach them so that they're not constantly spilling, or they're Mm -hmm. constantly, like, you know, leaking you know, out of their emotions, because you know, there'll come a time where you can't be there, right? You know, whether it's your choice or not, you can't be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, if they're so codependent on you, um, that could be to their detriment. And, you know, this like relates to like, like things I've said in the past about like, just relationships in general, like, like in a, like in a romantic relationship, uh, I personally believe that it's important that the two individuals live their own lives and they enjoy each other's company when they have time or the opportunity to do so. But if you're like clingy and like constantly stuck to this person, that can be super exhausting because, you know, as much as you want to believe that this person, you know, regardless of how perfect this person is, there'll come a point where any person will drain you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, codependency is super, super difficult to like even figure out what's right or wrong because as humans we want to do the right thing and sometimes we do so much right things that we end up hurting ourselves yeah you talked about like the two parallel lines I forgot what that quote was yeah exactly it's like two, two parallel lines that on occasion come together yeah and I think it's important um whether like whatever kind of relationship you're in um to have your own space to set your boundaries to make sure the other person whether it be your friend or significant other even family members I feel like family members can easily cross the line but we allow that to happen just because they're our family yeah but I I mean I definitely have good good yeah it's hard to have your alone time when you're living in the same house yeah I mean like I remember I remember like you know, the, the weeks leading up to me leaving, I just thought, I can't wait to leave. I can't wait to leave. And now that I'm like alone here and, you know, struggling for, for lack of a better word, um, you know, I was just like, damn, I wish I were home. And that'll always be the case. Once you leave home, you want to be home. And once you're home, you want to leave home. It'll never, it'll never change. But, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's personal spacing is so important because some days you just like want to zone out of the world and just collect with yourself. And, I mean, I think you enjoy it as much as I do is just like going out to nature because mm-hmm. there is literally nothing to to take away from you. You're 
you're uh, you're just absorbing the world and just like enjoying the moment. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, I, I guess that also helps with like the whole anxiety thing. It's like you get to live in that moment, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, I think anxiety for me is really just I don't really know where it stems from. It's definitely not knowing, but also maybe my life is too rushed and I'm constantly on the go. Well, you got to think of it this way, right? Like, you know, one of your, one of the big facets of your, your life is your family. And mm-hmm. of like all people I know, you probably have the most family of families that I can tell. I mean, you guys are yeah. always hanging out together, always eating together. Like you guys are doing what families ought to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to ask yourself, would you be doing the same things if you were just living alone or doing your own thing? Mm-hmm. And I'd venture to say probably no. Now, obviously, I knew you when you were living alone. Well, you weren't living alone, but you were living away from your family and you still had habits of rush, right? You know, we would walk and you would you know, be leading the pack. And, you know, those are little things that probably you just picked up habitually from your parents or your siblings or whatever. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think now that you're more aware of the detriment of rushing, mm-hmm. um, you're more keen to fixing that and like slowing down. Because mm-hmm. I, I think the one beautiful thing about you is that um, you're actively looking for problems that, that are affecting your life and you're actively looking to like tackle them, which is, mm-hmm. I think is phenomenal because mm-hmm. that's a lot of effort, but it's like every time I see you tackle something, it's effort well spent. It works out. I mean, obviously you're not, I don't want to say you're not a hundred percent successful, but you obviously still have like failures along the way, but mm-hmm it's recognition that you have made progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also said how um, you rush through the menial things in life, but yeah, you... just enjoy the moments that are meaningful. Um, yeah. You know, if like, I, so, like this, this is like a, like a habit of mine. Like whenever I get home, um, I like, I like letting things run so that they're, it can be done all at the same time. So whether that's like throwing my food in the microwave, turning on the washer, turning on the dryer, uh, playing some music in the background, like all that running at the same time because uh, I don't like wasting time. Like I, I even brush my teeth in the shower. Um, you know, that saves you like microseconds, of course, right? But it's like all a mental game because, you know, when it comes time to like really enjoy, it's like right now I'm having an amazing conversation with a friend and I'm, not trying to rush it. I am trying to enjoy it as much as I can because um, I know that I'm going to have to microwave tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to be able to Maggie in the next next month, right? Mm-hmm. So there are definitely menial things in my life where I'm like, all right, that could be done quickly, yeah. but spending time with friends or family or things of that nature mm-hmm. uh, needs to definitely be soaked in and like slow down. Mm-hmm. I feel like that approach might not necessarily work for everyone though because I know no. that if that if I applied that to my life and I rushed through the small things that could that might actually add to my anxiety because rushing through like I just want to and en- try to enjoy every single moment whether right. it be like Emily talked about this um we're talking about I think she wrote wrote this in her blog about how she learned to appreciate even washing the dishes um just Ooh. learning to appreciate the, the mundane tasks in your life. Well, I'll put it this way, right? Um, 
does the act of trying to absorb and appreciate everything alone overwhelm you and cause you more anxiety? Mm-hmm. You know, like over this whole one year, mm-hmm. I could tell that you're trying to change a lot of things about yourself. And obviously they refer to better, I would hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but does that like, there almost seems like you're constantly looking for the good and everything, which I'm not saying is bad. I'm just asking if it's a lot of work for you. I don't think it's a lot of work for me because I think that, well, in the past, I would see the good in things, but it's also easy for um, me to see the bad in things. And I want to change my mindset for me to see, for my instinctive reaction to situations to be positive. If okay. something bad comes up in my life, I'll, I want to shift my mindset and be able to, I guess, rewire my brain to thinking that you know, there's a positive out of this. Like if something doesn't happen today, it might be for the better. I just try to see the positives and little things that past me would deem as negative. That's really interesting. Um, you know, I, I, the weeks leading, actually a few months leading up to me leaving, uh, I was working out with a family friend um, Mm -hmm. and the cost of gym membership was a biblical lesson every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, weird stuff for me uh, to hear because spirituality is like not something that I'm particularly uh, involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wanted to ask, do you ever feel like the things that happen in your life uh, were predetermined or have a reason or it's just a happenstance? Mm-hmm. Do you think things that happen to you are, uh, you know, is there a higher being that's like dictating what's happening in your life or do you think it's just all chance? I think my mindset has, well, my philosophy, I guess, has changed since um, we had this conversation, like, at the beginning of the year, which is why I kind of wanted to ask you about, you know, these topics, because I know you're not a spiritual person, but everyone has their own philosophy and how they tackle life. Let me ask you this, right? Like, where where does the spiritual part come from? Is it your spirit or is it a a big spirit that's not yours Mm -hmm. Um, how would you define spirituality i think um it's it's all of the above like there's my spirit so i i view the world as you know every single person is their own universe or their own you know own planet and Mm -hmm. the entire world or just society as a whole is just a bunch of universes you know, interacting together. And I feel like that itself is, you know, sort of a spiritual realm where we're all interconnected and we're all influencing each other's lives directly or indirectly. Got it. Interesting. Because I asked this because if you were to say, you know, things just happen because of chance, then why really give any like connotation as to whether it's good or bad, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think everything happens by chance, though. I know you talk a lot about, a lot about statistics. <laughs> yeah, I do. And that was, I mean, obviously, like you said, we're all different. And we'll, we'll, you know, put our efforts towards different things. But like, you know, to use a more extreme example, you know, the thought of giving an explanation to like spilled water is like, to me, it's like, oh, crap, I just spilled some water. Let me clean it up. Not like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, this is like a lesson for me to learn how to clean my table. Yeah. That makes sense. I think it's just we view situations differently. Like absolutely, I try to. I think I try to find 
a reason for everything. Like, why did this thing happen? Yeah. Or how can I fix this situation? But maybe for you, you just view it as, oh, it happened and I'm going to move on. Right. Exactly. That's exactly how I see it. Because, you know, there, I was, so I was listening to a podcast with Joe Rogan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that Neil deGrasse Tyson was saying was that, you know, a lot of these philosophers and religious people always ask why, 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 right? Mm-hmm. You know, why did, why did the Big Bang happen? Uh, why, you know, why, how, you know, all these questions, right? But at the end of the day, where is that getting you, right? Mm-hmm. Because there'll, there'll have to come a point where asking those questions isn't really a benefit to you and they're going to be holding you back or slowing you down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm sure you have the proper discernment to know like when to cu- like call it quits, mm-hmm. but um, that's where it's like difficult because giving advice on that to people can be misinterpreted and that can be a dangerous predicament. Mm-hmm. I think that um, figuring out the why to things, well, obviously you have to be like somewhat selective with what questions you want to ask but I think at the end of the day it's really to shift your mindset and the way you interpret the world and for me that means trying to view situations in a more positive light and to learn why everything happens and why we are the way we are and why things happen why people act the way they do because I think that there's always an underlying reason, but maybe we just don't talk about it enough. What's been the most like phenomenal, let's just call it a thought process that somebody like exhibited where you're like, wait, that like makes so much sense, but why did I never think about that? Mm-hmm. Or like, maybe I should incorporate that into my life. I think it's probably, well, I talked about this in my last podcast, just my relationship with food and diet culture, because there's so many things in life and in society that um where we don't question it because i think you've i think you're the one who told me this that one of the most dangerous things to say is that you know we've it's just how it's always been done or yeah uh yeah that's actually by some uh it was by a a admiral she was like the she was like a female ad naval officer who had like broken some secret code right she mm-hmm. had broken some secret code and then she became you know she became this like hallmark for like breaking codes in the military oh but but whatever her her whole her like most like valuable quote was like um you know if you keep doing you know i'm paraphrasing of course but if you keep doing things that the way like it's, it's always been done then you know your the effects will always be the same yeah right? like you're not gonna get anywhere right yeah and there's right, no exactly. real breakthrough or ne- no real innovation if you just keep doing the same thing as before. And that's kind of exactly. how I viewed diet culture because I felt like it was so ingrained in society that no one just, just no one questioned it until I had to, um, I learned from my own experiences that this is not sustainable. It's not a sustainable way of living. But I think it's a good thing that people are speaking out and helping people right. unlearn these old behaviors because we can't just keep doing the things that thinking the way that we've always thought that thunk is that a word 
That's not a word, but, but we'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, so I'm going to tell you this, like, almost, like, geeky, more conspiracy-esque, like, um, reasoning for this whole diet culture. And uh, uh, I'll start with a quote from my, my buddy, Larry Sukaria. <laughs> uh, he always says, follow the money, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you ever look at, like... Um, like let's just call them supermodels or just like models that you'll see in magazines over the years, you know, over the past, like, let's say a hundred decades, you'll notice that their body figures change quite dramatically. Yeah. You know, if you, if you look at like, you know, the icon Marilyn Monroe, right. She definitely doesn't fit the standard of beauty that, that most would consider beautiful today. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and then it's different every single, it, it usually cycles between decades. So every decade or so, uh, you know, the new beauty comes out and right now it's like super, super skinny models. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, two decades ago it was like, uh, you know, a little thicker, whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so, so what I'm trying to say is that uh, follow the money. Right. Um, i I would say that one of the big reasons why diet culture is so pervasive and also so different from time to time is because um, you have these like fashion companies or like mm-hmm. um, model companies or whatever, right. That are pushing, um, pushing out like new styles so that they can like sell new products, which is yeah. kind of sad, right. They're, you know, uh, I think you watch that social, Social something on Netflix. Yeah, Social Dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is, like, if you're not buying a product, you are the product, right? Yeah. Um, And, like, it's kind of sad that, like, these, like, fashion companies are making people products because um, the reason why that they change fashion fads and, like, standards of beauty from, you know, decade to decade is because, you know, it allows them to push out new inventory or cycle new things out. And that's also the really funny thing about fashion is that, like, fashion the fashion of 30 years ago is like the fashion of today like people are going retro and like you can see that you can actually see that in people and how they behave and so you know it's sad to say that you know it's it's sad because like the reason why you know so many girls are going girls and guys uh, are going through like such terrible uh, food eating disorders is possibly a product of like uh, you know where's the money right yeah, definitely. I have one last question for you to end the yes. podcast. Yes. Um, because my podcast name is It's Growing Season. And yeah. I believe that just like crops, humans go through different seasons. So I want to yeah. ask you, how would you define this season in your life? Ooh, uh, it's definitely growing, but it's going through a storm. And I'm hoping <laughs> that the yeah, it's I'm definitely going through a big storm right now, and I'm hoping that my roots uh, stay stay firmly in the ground. Mm-hmm. And if they don't, I hope that the storm carries me out of the ground and flies me over to a nice plot of land where I can uh, grow even more. So I hope that analogy uh, suits the growing <laughs> season. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm.